Father, I just pray that you would open our hearts this morning to hear about a pretty amazing thing. Hear about a way that um, we as people uh, please you. And we pray that you would um, ignite our imaginations, lift us from the things that chain us and bond us and give us freedom. We ask this um, in confidence because of the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Um, today's kind of fun. This is a simple story, and um, <clears throat> it's a good reminder, but most importantly, it asks a really profound question. So that's what we're going to look at as a simple story, have a good reminder, and ask a profound question. Here's the profound question. Did you know that you could amaze Jesus? It's a weird, it's a weird, um, that's a weird idea. We're going to get into it a little bit, but um, let's recap a little bit the story about the centurion. Um, what is a centurion? A centurion is, uh, typically a centurion was a military officer that lived in uh, Jewish settlements, really all over the kingdom of Rome. Centurions were sent to cities to um, keep order. So they were they were not the main people of the city. They weren't Romans necessarily. In many cases, they were conquered people, and they were sent and they were they were ordered to make sure that things were peaceful in that area. And so you've got with a centurion, you've got a foreigner who is not necessarily in love with Rome, but is subjugated to their authority and they're sent into a city where they're not going to be loved by the locals typically um that's what a centurion was and so they would protect the tax collectors they would they were not loved very often and here we've got an interesting um we've got an interesting thing happening because it seems like the centurion really stands out because he loves the people that he works with he's assimilated into the culture if you will missionaries have to assimilate into a culture and he seems to have done a pretty good job of it and um he's got a servant that's sick so how does he he hears about jesus and i'm sure he was thinking how do i get jesus to do what i need him to do and he sends jewish leaders that are that are um uh recognized and loved in the community to jesus and the leaders these leaders beg on the on the centurion's behalf this is a good man. He's done good things for us. He built the, uh, a temple. Um, would you, would you, Jesus, go and heal his his servant? And uh, Jesus is happy to do that. He immediately sets off to to heal the servant. But the centurion sends more people, and this time it's 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 the centurion's own servants come out and and meet Jesus and say, "Look, don't trouble yourself." I am, I am merely a Gentile. Um, I know since I'm a man of authority, if you just say the word, you'll heal my, heal my servant. And Jesus does. He heals, he heals the servant. That it's, it's, it's worth noting that this is one of the miracles, um, that's done at a distance. So Jesus never sees the servant that he heals. He just does it from a distance. And so, if you're if you're going through scripture, you can start to see that God is methodic. That Jesus is methodically 
doing miracles that is proving that he has dominion over everything. There's nothing that he can't do. Um, raising people from the dead, casting out demons, and even healing from a distance. Um, there's very little ways to, to um, if you wanted evidence that he was the son of God, there's a lot of evidence, I guess. Um, but um, <clears throat> here's the part of the story that, that just, it gets me every time. And I read this a lot. I, I share this a lot um, when I travel around the world is that when Jesus heard from the servants, when he heard from the servants the faith of the centurion, it says he was amazed. You just heard Ben read that, that Jesus was amazed. There's There are a couple other versions. Um, depending on what your translation is, they, the two other words that are used is astonished and um one other is that Jesus marveled. Now, those aren't really light words. We use these a lot. Like if somebody says, hey, I had a really good day, I might flippantly say, hey, that's amazing. <laughs> that's not really amazing. When we, you know, amazing astonishment and marvel, these are, these are pretty profound um, feelings that happen. Our son, uh, which many of you know, is high-functioning autistic, and he couldn't speak until he was about four. We were at dinner one night, and Ellie, our daughter, was talking to him, and Perk responded to her. Now, we were amazed when he responded to her, but even more so, there was a story when he was two and a half, you know, barely walking, we would, we would, he's got this incredible mind, but when he he couldn't talk but he was we would read to him and i remember a lot of times he was putting my finger on numbers and letters and he was learning things and then we had letters um these magnetized letters that go on the refrigerator and then he just started writing things on a refrigerator so what we realized is that at two and a half before he could even speak he had learned how to write how to read like he was reading at two and a half years old. We thought that was amazing. Um, anyway, amazement is an interesting idea. And here's the really interesting idea for this morning is, did you think it was possible to amaze Jesus? There's a story where Jesus meets Nathaniel early on as he's calling his disciples. And, and Nathaniel goes, Jesus, how do you know me? And, he, and Jesus says, even before Philip called you here today, I saw you underneath the fig tree. So this is one instance of where Jesus wasn't even there, but knew Nathaniel from afar and knew what his thoughts were. There's another, look, there's countless uh, evidence that Jesus could read people's thoughts. He knew what they were thinking before they thought it. But there's a famous one at the end where, where he's asking Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, he asks him this three times, but Peter is exasperated one time and says, Lord, you know all things. Peter had been with him for a long time. He's like, of course you know that I love you. So if God, if Jesus, who knows all things and has this ability to read our thoughts, how would it be that he would be amazed 
it's just an interesting idea, and I think it's one that's really crucial. I don't think I'm, I, I don't think that I am uh, focusing on one word and getting out of line here. I think there's a big, deep theological reminder here that's important for us. <clears throat> um, this this tests my theology a lot because I know that it's impossible to earn God's favor. But if I'm honest with myself, and I don't know if you're like me, but I think this is a human condition, not a, just a me issue. But even with all of my theological training and, and knowledge of things, I have to confess that on a day-to-day basis, I still feel like a failure. I still feel like, you know what, my sin is always getting in the way. I can never get it right. And so it's almost like if we're taking the test of life, I am always getting a 25 on the test. And God's grace just creates a curve so that I get a C minus and I just pass. <laughs> and yet that's not how the, the grading of the kingdom works at all. So you see the, the centurion was trying to say, and, and the leaders were trying to say, this is a good man. He deserves for you to come, Jesus. But that's not why Jesus went to go help this man. He went because he loves the centurion. The centurion, yes, was really humble, but Jesus was so excited to go and actually help the centurion. I think he was honored that the centurion asked. And then the fact that he really believed in Jesus amazed him, amazed him to no end. Um, Hebrews 11.6, which we just read, has a, a very definitive concept. And... A lot of times we like to say, oh, I don't know what scripture means. This one really is pretty clear. It says it is impossible to please God without faith. Now, impossible is the definitive part here. So whatever we're doing to try to earn favor and get our grade, our test grade up from 25 to a C minus, it's not going to work. <laughs> the only thing that works is faith. It is the, it is the uh, elixir that helps us move from are we good or bad people into the freedom of the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is here. It says, it says the kingdom of God is at hand. That means the kingdom of God is as close as our nose, but we can't see it. So this is, this is just a, a, an interesting thing about faith. I think... And I could be wrong about this. There's no, but I think we're the only beings in creation that can have faith. So animals don't have faith. Angels, Satan, other heavenly beings, they, they don't have faith. It says that Satan knows God is in, in authority and he trembles. They see it clearly. We're, we're the ones, it's, it's somehow our, our, our time here on earth and our, um, our place in our relationship with God, we have this gift of faith, which is to have hope for things that we can't see. This is maybe even silly, but when we're in heaven, I wonder if, if we can reminisce. Remember, uh, 
at high school reunions or whatever where you're like, you know, I remember the good old days. I wonder if we're in heaven and we're reminiscing about our time on earth. Are we going to reminisce about the hard things that we faced? Are we going to reminisce about the great things that we accomplished? I don't think we're going to. I think we're going to reminisce on the things that you see in chapter 11 in Hebrews, which is the Hebrews 11 is considered the hall of faith. It's, 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 it's what's sort of renowned. I think when we reminisce, we're going to go, do you remember that time when we were, we had the gift of being able to not know there was uncertainty and we took a step of faith. And maybe the biggest step of faith of all is, 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 is remembering these two things. One is that God has completely obliterated the problem of sin for us. This morning, when we go to confession and when we um, think about this, it, it's true. Anything that we've done is obliterated in this confession. We have complete freedom. The second reminder <clears throat> is that we can participate in eternity now. And it doesn't take special people. It doesn't take Ford Jordan, who's the pastor. It doesn't take whatever author who you think is amazing or C.S. Lewis or important person. God came for people like the centurion, who was a foreigner who was lost in a foreign land, conquered by Rome, and hated by the people that he lived with. And God was pleased to have an encounter with him and, and love on him. Brennan Manning said that our faith ravishes the heart of God. It's an incredible gift that we have. That just by faith we can delight God. It's a weird, it's actually a weird concept. I worked with a guy that said, you know, if God has a wallet, your picture is in it. And he shows it off to everybody that he can. So I want to end on just a, a um, I want to end on a thought, on a story and a question. <clears throat> we had a friend over to dinner and I travel a lot. I, I think I've been to 70 countries because of a, a foundation that I run. And when I look at people that travel a lot, this friend of mine, he travels a lot. He's been to over, I think he's been to 200 countries. Did you even know there's 200 countries? <laughs> I think there's 210 countries on the, in the world today. He's been to 200 of them. If you need something weird delivered to Saudi Arabia, this guy can probably get it done because he did distribution for um, governments and things like that. And we had him to dinner, and I like to ask uh, people that come to dinner to tell stories so that our, our kids get to hear stories. And I said, Kay, he's Japanese-American. I said, Kay, could you just tell us a story? What's something that's happened to you recently? And he's like, oh, well, this is kind of weird. We're in China. And I was meeting with um, some of the some of three leaders of an underground movement where two million converts to Christ, um, two million conversions had been made in one year in the region that these three people were sort of overseeing. And I met with those people, one, two men and one woman. And I don't know if you know about Asian culture, but um, 
it's not Judeo-Christian. They don't grow up with the concepts of love your neighbor as yourself. And these things that we, that we even if we're not believers or not attuned to scripture, we still hear them in our culture. Asian culture doesn't have those things. And so when they hear about Jesus and when they read scripture for the first time, they really believe it. And so Kay was like, how do you, Kay asked the question to these Chinese leaders, how do you get 2 million converts in one year? He was really puzzled by that. And the woman said, oh, it's really easy. (laughs) She said, you know, sometimes we just go to a new city and we raise somebody from the dead. And when they share their testimony, it's really powerful. It just really convinces people that God is real. (laughs) So I want to end on this question. Do you believe that story? And do you believe that it's possible for you to amaze God with your faith?